Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Super glad you're here, and you're going to be in for a treat today. As always, but this one especially, we have Teresa and Eric Sage from Sage Flipping Secrets on the podcast, and we'll get to them in just a second. I wanted to thank you guys for being such loyal listeners. We've been doing this for a long, long time, and we're going to be doing it for a long, long time. I was thinking about this. It's been six, almost seven years since we started the podcast, and I was thinking about what are the next six or seven years going to look like. Things change so often, so rapidly in technology today. So will iTunes even still be around? Will you still be able to listen to podcasts? We'll st- I think so. But if podcasts aren't around, something else will be. But listen, if you like the show, I want to ask you to leave a review in iTunes. I would really appreciate it. Just let us know that you like the show, what you like about it, even what you don't like about it. That is okay as well. But uh, please leave a review. I had a podcast I did a long time ago um, about leave a review, get some cool stuff. And I'll find that episode here in a minute. But if you go to the, if you go find that episode, (laughs) I should have done this in advance, and you leave a review, you can get, like, I think I was giving away a free book, some free videos, and stuff like that. I'll look for that in a minute here. But go to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know that you like the show. And we'll send you some free stuff. Let me get it here. Let me just tell you something while I look that up, too. I just got back from Houston, went down to Houston, Texas. Here it is. It's The episode is called Leave a Review, Get Free, Get Cool Free Stuff. Leave a Review, Get Cool Free Stuff. And I'm giving away a book that I wrote called Brilliant at the Basics and another book called Flipping Houses While on Vacation. Plus, I'm giving away some free videos of a Saturday workshop that I did on wholesaling lease options. And so I will put a link to this show, to this episode in the show notes for this podcast. But if you leave a review on iTunes, send a uh, send an email to support at wholesalingleaseoptions.com or support at joemccall.com with, uh, with your name and with the information you put in the review just to kind of prove it somehow. And we'll send you two books and a free video series of an all-day Saturday workshop that I did on how to flip lease options. Cool? All right. So having said that, Teresa and Eric Sage, how are you guys? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having us. We really, uh, we're excited to be here. Doing great, Joe. Awesome. It's been um, a while since I saw you guys last in Boise, Idaho. (laughs) Yes. That was what what on earth were you doing in Boise, Idaho? What was I doing there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we were hanging out talking real estate, so it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, we were at a internet marketing mastermind with Russell Brunson. It was really, really good. And um yeah, some crazy things have happened since then. You guys are doing some really amazing things, and I wanted to get you on the show and just talk about your real estate investing business, what you guys are doing right now. And so why don't you can you guys talk a little bit about what are you doing today? Like what kind of real estate deals are you doing? What's your forte? 
Uh, well, Joe, uh, for people that don't know who we are, we've been we've been a husband and a wife house flipping team for 15 years. So through the highs and lows and the flats and the whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so and we learned a lot. Right. And so we really, really specialize in wholesaling as our kind of our initial marketing strategy. Right. Yeah. Go out and work with motivated sellers. And then kind of you back into all the other things that happen with real estate, you know, if it's a lease option or a seller finance deal. And so um, it became the ultimate. And as you know, as our market's changing again, you know, here we are. Um, the opportunities are, are, are great. And so um, once you learn how to market, which Teresa is the marketing arm of our, our team, the rainmaker, I call her. She creates it and then it floods in and then we figure out what to do with the deals that come through our system with our with the teams that we have. And uh, so it's just been it. It kind of takes the uh, once you learn how to exit out of a property, you're not afraid to turn on the funnel and, and spend money on marketing and, and let it come in. And and uh, knowing that you're not just buying a fix and flip, you're not just looking for a buy and hold type scenario. And so you, you know that there's always opportunities as you network in this business, right? Yeah. Good. Well, what market are you guys in again? We are in the Phoenix, Arizona market and we, we basically, and, and in Tucson. So we have two different markets. So we have a virtual side of it and then we're local here, but we try to treat that virtually as well. But you know, when you're in the market, you want to go see something from time to time. So you, so you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what kind of deals are you guys mostly doing? Just wholesaling or rehab, fix and flip? We're mainly wholesaling, but I, I would tell you that um, as our market's changing, we're doing some seller financing and some lease options. So you would enjoy a cool story. I'll tell you right now because you're the lease option machine. And so uh, I'll just say that we we virtually uh, I'll just give you the last three deals that I just thought about while we were talking is uh, we, we did a virtual wholesale deal down in Tucson, made seven thousand bucks with no marketing. It was a referral deal. We did a twenty thousand dollar wholesale deal in Mesa, Arizona, um, and that one was actually a referral deal from another wholesaler that overpaid for it and needed some help. <laughs> so we came along and helped him out. And, okay. and now um, with that, you know, you, you become, now you have a strategic partner out there that, that we'll work with in the future. I, I'd never done a deal with them before and it was great. And then we uh, bought a foreclosure, a pre-foreclosure. We um, paid it off with some private money, sold it for 50,000 more than what we paid got 22,000 down and about 425 bucks a month positive cash flow so it's the Joe McCall what do you call it the cash now or or upfront money yeah yeah cash now cash flow cash later <laughs> there you go <laughs> the trifecta yes I love so, it. <laughs> so yeah and you know what like and I and Teresa and I were talking about this uh, at the end of 2016 we're like okay our wholesale business I mean we have it flowing pretty good we got some great strategic partners Tons and tons and tons of competition in our market here in Phoenix, but you know, just keep marketing. Deals will happen. But we're like, where in the past 15 years did we do the the least amount of work, make the most amount of money, and the least amount of effort? Or no, and and provided the most value. That's what it was. Yeah, good. And I it like was that. the least. It was the least options. Like, how much value can we provide a family that isn't bankable? 
that and so this particular deal we did, um, the lease option one that we did, um, Joe was a, a, a family that two of them were disabled but have great income, and the, the dad and husband worked really hard but they weren't bankable, and uh, we provided them a phenomenal home, and it just makes you feel great. Like I get chills just mm. thinking about it right now with the opportunities that we provide people that, and we didn't sell the house. That house is worth. We sold it for two hundred thousand, Joe, and. Um, we hear a lot of people that, you know, add another 20% to a, a five-year lease purchase, but we're able to buy wholesale, sell retail. We don't have to mark it up. And then it leaves a lot of skin in the game. And there's a, it, we felt that with people that have skin in the game and money down, they'll stick around. And, you know, we're, 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 uh, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. And it's a win-win, right? Nice. Yes. Now, when you're, are you buying these houses with lease options or are you just selling them on lease options? So, right. No, we're not. We, that particular one, we did not do the Joe McCall special. Um, we actually closed on it with cash or one of our private investors that we have long term um, good money with. And uh, they want an annuity. And and uh, we wanted uh, we got a, a great, great property in Phoenix, Arizona at a great loan to value. And we're providing cash flow for our investor that needs the money, you know, and then we're providing a house for someone that, that needs a roof over their head and wants some long-term security. So yeah. that one was not a, le- a lease option uh, assignment or, or no, wouldn't, wouldn't that, what do you call that, Joe? A wholesale lease option, like a, yeah. a new a lease option assignment or wholesaling lease options, what I'm trying to say. But while you were, you guys were talking, I was looking, have you heard of a guy named Bob Zachmeyer? I think is his name out of Tucson. Does that name ring a bell? I think it does. I think I, I think I've done business with him before. <laughs> he that, does. Yeah. He does a lot of uh note carry network is this Facebook group. They do a lot of um, creative seller financing notes types of deals. What's that guy's? Is it Bob? I've got to get it. Bob Zachmeyer. That's right. It's Bob Zachmeyer out of Tucson. He's a realtor, but he does a lot of deals that he buys on seller financing and then sells them on seller financing. Mm-hmm. But he does it as a realtor. Mm-hmm. You can do him as an investor as well. But um, I'll put him in touch with you guys after this podcast is over. And I'm trying to get him on the show. I need to talk to him. But there's a lot of opportunity in competitive markets. Wouldn't you guys agree to do creative deals? When all of your competition is out there chasing the same sellers that have a ton of equity, you can do things with the leads that they're ignoring, right? Well, what did uh, what did they say a few years ago? Um, Warren Buffett said, if you can get 3 and 4% money for 30 years, you should buy as many single-family homes as you can possibly find. Mm-hmm. Well, guess how many of them are in our market and in your market? They're everywhere. And and. There's still those opportunities. People are distressed and they can't afford to uh, to have two mortgage payments and they're willing to work on a, a, a subject to or a lease purchase or or something there. And, and it's a, and, and right now a three or four percent interest rate on a house that was purchased three or four years ago in our market can cash flow three or four hundred dollars a month. And you could easily help the seller get a few bucks in their pocket, too, if you if you wanted to, right. you know, right. So no, that's a huge, huge opportunity in our lifetime coming up in now. I mean, it's just it's a it's time to start looking at those, and that's actually how we got in the business with subject twos. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Back when it was six and seven percent, we thought it was a great idea. 
<laughs> Talk a little bit about how you guys got started in the business. What were you doing? Were you both doing real estate before you met? Teresa, why don't you? So, so Teresa was in foreclosure and I bailed her out. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh. That's how we met. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> I was a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch and uh, I met Eric and then I left Merrill because I didn't really like what that was all about, the stock market. And so I decided that I worked for an IRA, a self-directed IRA custodian a long, 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 long time ago. When it was after that. After that, yeah. right. And I just thought this was the greatest thing ever because I saw a lot of deals come through with private money that I had no idea even existed. So that was pretty neat for me to see. And then when I met Eric, he started doing real estate. You want to tell him about that? Yeah, I started uh, – I, I was um... – I was a professional golfer by trade. I, I, I went to college and played at a high level and then turned pro and did that for three years and then um, uh, went into the uh, corporate world and kind of stumbled around with different entrepreneurial opportunities while I was in the corporate America and saved my money and then uh, got into real estate by just by chance, door knocking pre-foreclosures and found a mentor of mine because I f accidentally found a deal and didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I called my local real estate agent that sold me my first uh, rental property that didn't cash flow and I overpaid for and found this pre foreclosure deal and uh, found one of my, one of my buddies I actually went to high school with. He was a lease option subject to master and couldn't believe that I actually found the deal that I found because it was in his neighborhood where he lived. And he's like, how in the world did you find that? I'm like, I don't know, but I did. And, and, uh, from then on it was, uh, he mentored me for, for a while. What year, what year was this? That was 2004, 2005, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was before that, wasn't it? Yeah. It was 2004 was when I was, yeah. When I, when I was doing that, but that, yeah, yeah. 2003, 2004 is when, when that, the, the, that was when foreclosures were not super hot, but there was opportunities and there was equity. And, uh, but now you can't even really do that anymore. You can't bail people out and leave them in their homes and stuff. And so oh, yeah. we were very, very, uh, blessed because there was a lot of people that did it the wrong way. And, and we were really successful with them, um, purchasing their homes back. We, we left a lot of people in their home and just did kind of a, a foreclosure bailout model and it worked out really well. But that's when, you know, with Teresa at the self-directed IRA company, we started learning about private money and IRAs. And I mean, we, we learned a lot about private money very early in our careers. But after the story goes is I made more money on my part-time job um, in real estate than my real job. Uh, I was a, I was selling elevators first and then I was a diaper salesman for uh, uh, long-term care homes. And uh, I made more money doing that, um, the real estate than, than those jobs. And then that was it. And I've been, we've been doing it ever since. And Teresa and I are very fortunate um, that our unique abilities are different. And we're, as a married couple, we, we know, we kind of knew early on, we went to, uh, we had a business coach and we found what our unique abilities were. Unfortunately, they were different. And so we were able to work together successfully as a, as a, as a married couple, as well as business partners um, for the last 15 years. So it's been pretty, pretty awesome. Okay, good. And so, how did the downturn in the in the crash affect you guys, especially being in Phoenix? So um, yeah, so we owned at one. We had about seventy homes at one point, and uh, we weren't quite uh, astute to it happening. <laughs> yeah, so it was a race, right? So we raced and raced and raced, and we gave we 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 owned a lot of homes and a lot of subject twos, and so 
We raced to get rid of as many as we could. Uh, we raced to pay back our private investors as quick as we could. And we did, you know, thank God. And uh, we, we got through it. But we were we we would literally have, you know, this was before really like the Internet. Like we would Teresa would, would print out a list and I'd go door knock every day, you know, and and then it actually technology, you know, moved on a little bit. But um, we I'd, I'd come home and, and back to the office and I'm like, there's really just not that there's not much equity left anymore. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? You know? And interest rates were high. So rents versus the interest rates that we could take over didn't cash flow. So and we didn't really know much about wholesaling. Right. No, we, we, we didn't. And, and so I was like, what are we going to do? So all of a sudden we start. Then we started a loss mitigation company <laughs> because we're like, there's going to be a problem here. And sure enough, we were about a year ahead of the big, big problem. And so we ended up having a short sale mm. business for about three years. So we just followed the cycle. Right. So you moved. You, you followed the cheese. Yeah. We followed the cheese. <laughs> the cheese moved. The That's... cheese was going down. And we followed it quick. <laughs> well, you have an interesting story. It's fascinating because a lot of people, when I ask that question, they're like, oh, you hear the groans, you know, and you're like, we uh, we made a lot of mistakes or we did a lot of things wrong. And you guys are like, eh, you know, we just changed directions. We figured we saw the writing on the wall and we we asked ourselves, what should we do now? And you didn't uh, get discouraged or quit. And you actually started, I'm imagining your short sale business did really well during those years. It's funny because we started in the business when it was flat. Then it went crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it crashed. And we did just, we did better during the crash than we did prior. And then as the market started flattening out or hitting the bottom, then we started buying as many as we possibly could, which was basically our inventory of short sales. And uh, which was a was a nice bonus. And then the market started going up again. And so we're like, OK, we're going to learn this time. We're not going to be greedy. Let's sell when it went up 35 percent, which it ended up doubling. But, you know, what? it's like we made money. Right. And so we just kept doing that. And then um, then we started learning about wholesaling and, and really becoming good. We were we were I'll be honest. We were lucky a lot. I mean, we, we did our fix and flips. <laughs> Holy cow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. got we got luck. There was some luck involved. We're clearly not we're not technically inclined when it comes to <laughs> we flipped Teresa's flipped well over five hundred homes. She's probably seen about fifty of them, and they were by accident because we drove by them. I'm like, hey, you know, you flipped that house. She's like, what are you talking about? So anyway, <laughs> she would just she's the ultimate person you want to become a you want to model because she she makes really good money and she doesn't go to any of the properties. She just creates all the the action that that causes the the, the opportunities but uh nice. but anyways yeah so yeah so that, that when the market turned we just kind of kept keeping a, a pulse on it and uh we we were in a position where we paid our private money guys our private investors back so when opportunities came we could take stuff down and and then we started learning really learning how to market like really learning how to use direct mail really learning how to um, use ppc and how to wholesale, like how to really build a buyer's list. Right. And and so then the volume comes along and you don't, you can still do five to 10 deals a month and maybe you buy one or none. <laughs> maybe you just sell, wholesale them all, you know, it's so uh, that's kind of where we're at today. We, we found the ultimate diversified business model, right? Sure. Sure. Well, how many times do you say you your business has kind of changed directions in the last 10 to 15 years. I guess it's been about 13 years, right? Yeah, about 13 years. I mean, we're, you know, because we were flat. And so I would tell you, so this is really cool, Joe. Here's where 
we started doing subject to um, lease options back to the owners, <laughs> you know, because they, they, you know, they needed 10,000 to get out of foreclosure and they owned a $5,000 car at 25% interest. And so we put them in a better debt to income situation and then we lease option it to them back. And then within six to 18 months, anyone with a heartbeat and a good payment schedule, they would be able to get a refinance. Right. And by the time the refinance happened, which I would say that was luck for us, mm -hmm. they owed their, their house appreciated double what they owed us. <laughs> right. So I would say, honestly, Joe, I'd say about four times we've kind of switched business models and that's mm. because Eric's always kind of had been like he's always been kind of in the market and and always like doing deals and talking to sellers and he he really he has an amazing gift not only talking to sellers but knowing what's going on in the market and kind of seeing what's going to happen in the future i think you have a great insight into that well and that's what i was saying joe so when we started lease optioning then Guess where we're at today? We're back doing it. We're back in that cycle where we get to do it, but we get it if we can take over payments at, you know, uh, legally with subject, you know, subject to in conventional and VA loans now at three and four percent. Like back then we were making money at seven and eight. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we're that's where our cycle. So, so I would say you're, she's right four times, but we're back to almost the cycle we started in on on, uh, on in regards to uh, buying cash flow properties. But these truly cash flow. <laughs> well, where, do, where do you see the market right now? Um, that's funny. We were, we were, uh, we we're just talking about that this morning. We're like, <laughs> hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. No, you know what? I mean, I really feel like, I feel like in our, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, I would say is a fairly good one to get a feel on it. Right. I mean, yeah. we live in a, we live in a pretty nice area. And so we try to act like this is real, but it's not like, like you're like, we got houses selling for 600 bucks a square foot in our neighborhood. And we're like, Oh my God. Like, and we're, when we have, you know, we have the smallest house in the nicest neighborhood and we're happy. We yeah, don't care. You know, pretty low and you drive my old pickup and it backfires on my neighbor's BMW. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so where the market is, I, I would say that, um, it's, people are still, paying a lot of money for properties, but I feel like it's flattening out for sure. Um, is there going to be a big decline? I mean, it all depends on, you know, the government has some ideas for that as well. Interest rates have, has, uh, I, are still good. I mean, I just worked with an agent last week. She, she got, um, two of her deals were 4.1% 30 year fixed mortgages right now, you know? And so interest rates are still pretty good. So, I mean, if interest rates stay somewhere where they're at, I mean, I still feel like we're going to, you know, we're not, I don't know if we're going to go back to where we were, but in some markets we already are and we've passed it. Right. And, and, you know, like Phoenix is a completely like quad cities. We've done some deals in quad cities versus Phoenix and their fluctuation, they were pretty solid. Like they didn't see the ups and downs that we saw here. Like it was crazy here. Like houses that were, you yeah. know, 120 where you could pick them up for $25,000. Like it was it was not so in Phoenix. I'm sure you you know, but I don't know. No, we had a house we paid two ten for. Uh, the neighbor, you know, the, in the same na the neighborhood, the the that we bought the that neighbor's house for twenty five thousand at the bottom. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, I, I don't I don't see that happening right now. Hopefully, <laughs> but although I was, you know, it was interesting, Joe, because I was driving through South Scottsdale, which is a really nice area through 
the little um, shops. They have a lot of cute shops in South Scottsdale. And I said to Eric, I said, Eric, there's like, did, have you noticed lately the retail side? There was about 12 shops of like vacancies just recently in that area. And I was like, that's not normal in this area. So I don't know if that's any indicator, but I was like, Ooh boy, kind of just put your little feelers out there a little mm. bit more on seeing, you know, what's, what's going down, down the road. But I don't think that's a very good sign for us. Well, what, what advice would you give to investors that are maybe on the sidelines right now and a little anxious and nervous about whatever opinion they have of them, what the market's doing? So it's all about velocity, right? Initially, like if you are doing like we have the the quick flip text method that we use. Uh, so we sell quickly in and out. And like what you teach, right? With the lease option, like I feel like you have to really, really minimize your risk in these situations. And because like if you're in and out within, you know, a month or two or three with with a flip, then you know you don't have to worry about what the market's going to do, right? Yeah. There's still very, very successful fix and flippers that will, will buy a house and turn it in six to 12 months if they're doing bigger or three to four months, right? Mm -hmm. But if you become a – if I was going to tell the listeners, if you become a master house – distressed house finder and distress doesn't have to be physically. It could be financially. Right. So, um, there's always opportunities for you to be that person that comes in and saves today for them. And then you have, you, you have a team, you know, we consider ourselves the largest house house buyer in Phoenix because we have one of the best lists in our community. Right. So yeah. people come to us all the time. So if you have, if you become great at marketing for those deals, you know how to analyze them and you know your exit, like there's really, I mean, I don't want to say there's no risk because there's always risk if you don't answer the phone when you do the marketing. <laughs> but if you market, like we talk about it all the time, what is our biggest mistake? When That's we stop, a real good point. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you don't answer the phone and someone's like, hello, um, I just inherited this house and I need to get rid of it. Um, I'm, I'm flying in Monday and I'm leaving the following Monday and I have to sell it by then. And I'm, and that really happened to us like two weeks ago, about a month ago. Yeah. And, and you're there, you're like, great, this is what I can do and leave all your furniture and leave everything behind and we'll give you the number and it's over. And you've already had it sold before you even showed up to the property because you know, your you know, your team, right? Yeah. You know, Joe, this is such a great business for mm -hmm. anybody like, I just love this business. Such a great business, especially if you come from the heart of helping people out. Like we're always finding solutions for people and whether it's, it's lease options or, you know, quick flip or, you know, whatever it is. And I, I just think it's a huge opportunity for people getting, you know, maybe aren't on the fence. It's just such a great business on all sides, but we always say ABM, right? Always be marketing. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> ABM. Really, really good. And it's about, well, I sometimes will say that everything is marketing and marketing is everything. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, if you haven't made somebody upset by 12 o'clock, you're not marketing hard enough. That is so funny because I, I have, so part of one of our, part our team members that we work with that are our go-to the property acquisition team members are real estate agents. And so sometimes they're like, Eric, I can't, I, I, I have a hard time offering that number. And I said, don't worry about it because you have the solution. If they really, really need to sell, they'll entertain our offer. If they really don't need to sell quickly, but maybe in the future, 
you're there. You can switch hats and become the savior. I mean, either way, you're winning. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You it's had good. that this morning happen, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we have it. We have it all. Yeah. I I told I challenged my my team to get as many offers out as possible this week, and at, at the numbers that we discussed, and they got the worst emails sent back, and that that how bad that offer was, and it was you know how how could you send that? And I'm like, awesome, it worked. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Were we listening to that thing the other day? That's the thing. You can't be afraid to fail, yeah. Joe. It's like, oh, yeah. go out go out and fail. That's what we told our team this week. We're like, go out and fail as much as you can this week. That's a great point. Why? Talk a little bit about that. Why is that good? Well, I guess that as many times, because you can't fail in this business. That's the best part about, here's the yeah. thing that, you know, with your listeners, because you, I, I you have a lot of listeners that are very successful as well as some newbies that are like, oh my God, I'm afraid to sign a contract or what am I going to do with this $120,000 contract or whatever? Well, there's always an exit, right? I mean, and, and there's always uh, time to do your due diligence and stuff. So you really, you never, you just never know what you're going to get. So I, I don't even know if you can fail on this business. And well, until you take it down physically with your own cash and if you might've made a mistake, but it, you know, mo most of our, our beginner students that, that we work with, it's just finding the deal and the exit, the exit will come, you know, that, that's, it doesn't matter. And, and we, you know, we always uh, tell our students that, you know, the stinkiest property, the better, obviously. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you make your money, you make your profit when you buy. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you've mentioned, well, before we get to the texting part of your business, talk a little bit about what your business looks like today. What kind of volume are you guys doing? And, uh, I want to ask you that number one. And then number two, what do you find that's working best for marketing, finding good seller leads? So what kind of deals are you doing today and what's your, what's your volume? I will just talk about kind of our, our, here's what, here's what we've learned in the last 15 years is volume doesn't always mean profit, right? Oh, so yeah. right. Um, we, we are a lifestyle. We have eight, I have my, we have an eight year old son and a 10 year old daughter. We get up in the morning, we get them to school, we walk them to the bus, we walk them home from the bus almost every day. And then by 3.30, we're, our day's done for work for the most part. We have an assistant, but that's what we're doing, you know. And so um, our, our job is in regards to volume, we're doing five to 10 deals a month. We, we do, you know, we're not sending 100,000 mailers a month. We're kind of lifestyle um, investors. And so the opportunities for cash flow will come along and we'll, we'll do those deals. So, you know, we basically have our Teresa does all the marketing. She sends it out with direct mail. We have PPC going and we have a referral partners that we communicate with on a daily and weekly basis. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll tell you right now, that's probably one of the number one things this year that I've focused on consistently of just other wholesale partners out there that are doing what we're doing. And we're picking up an extra couple of deals a month just from just sending a text out. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you talk about the quick flip text method, it doesn't always have to be with selling or buying a property. It has to do with your network of, of your team and taking care of, of, of uh, those, those referral partners. So um, our, our, our system kind of looks like this. We have our marketing that goes out. The leads come in. We have an assistant that works for us full time. We're all virtual. We tried the office thing. I mean, we just don't, I don't like going into an office. It gives me anxiety. 
Um, <laughs> we, we do it about every other year. We'll, we'll get an office and spend $20,000 for the year and we'll go there once a week just to meet with our team. <laughs> so we decided not to do that anymore. Yeah. There is technology that works pretty good, right? Yeah. And, and then um, our, our uh, realtor agents, um, our acquisition team, our real estate agents, so they get paid to go out and buy us properties. And if it doesn't work, they, they convert them into listings and we get a little bit of a piece of, of everything and uh, of, of those deals. And we have weekly and we have a weekly meeting just to keep everybody on track. And Joe, you're, you're the systems guy. So I could kind of go through some of the things that we use yeah, to please do. keep everybody on track. But, and Teresa is really actually the systems she, she'll create it. Um, but yeah, I have, I have them in my app, but, uh, uh, we use uh, Trello. You heard of Trello? Oh yeah, I love a Trello. So we use the Trello for our team <laughs> for our team to manage, and then uh, we our CRMs. We we always we've always used Podio, but we've kind of converted into PipeDrive. Have you heard of PipeDrive? Uh, yeah, and tell me a little bit about that because I know some guys who use it, and um, I'm curious to know why you're using it now. So PipeDrive, the reason, the only re- the only reason why we switched over to PipeDrive was. Visually, like for me, Podio's great. Don't get I love Podio, don't get me wrong. And I think it's got a lot of autom- like you 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 said yourself a lot of automation to it. But the problem with me is if it it's kind of like email. If you're not on my first page, you're kind of you're kind of mm. gone, right? <laughs> and I can so relate, yeah. <laughs> so PipeDrive, I love the way it's set up because your leads, there's no lead left behind, no lead. So that's what I love. And you kind of work it from a process of, of left side to right side. And you just kind of move your lead across and it's pretty, it's visually, I think it's kind of cool. Cause then you can see each lead in each stage pretty easily. And I know you can in Podio too, but I don't know why I just kind of like the way it's set up a little bit better. Well, uh, do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about that? The, um, because I've looked at PipeDrive and I like the way it's it it works. Does every lead come into PipeDrive as a new lead? So I have it set up no, and that and here's why: is we kind of go through and all of our leads because we have we have leads coming in for uh, lease options. We have leads coming in for motivated sellers. We have leads. We have so many leads coming in that I think it's a little overwhelming for our team to, to, to go through that. And so we only put in like the leads that are actually that were working into the, the okay. pipe drive. Yeah. Because you can have different pipes, right? In pipe drive. Oh yeah. So yeah. you could yeah. theoretically have like a pipe for all new leads. And once it becomes a legitimate lead, you can send it to another pipe pretty quickly and easily, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely set it up that way. And it's all done and it's all can be done. It's an app. So my so for me, like I, I go through phases in our our business, but I'll take leads in and I'll literally sit on my headphones on my on my uh, on my iPhone and I'll take that lead. I'll I'll whip through it. I can type all my notes in just like Podio. And I can schedule it on a follow-up. I can, it's, I mean, it's the same kind of concept. It's just visually what happens. And I've talked to a lot of other investors that are podios. They're like, you know, I've got 50 leads coming in a day. And then all of a sudden you're like, now what, <laughs> you know, you know, and so our leads are set up through a call center that goes to that. We love this call center. Um, and they're really good on the phone and they have two different scripts for us, depending on who's calling. And they, 
email it to us, which goes into our pipe drive. Yeah, we kind of pre-vet everything. Yeah, so we, we have an idea of what's going on with it. The other two things I like about Pipedrive, they have a really, really good statistics area that they've been working out. So your statistics are, are really um, quite cool to pull up at any minute. And then the second thing was, oh, it's a scheduler too. So not only do you have, you're working on your leads, but you can have a whole scheduling system so that, you know, you're, all you have to do is pop into your Pipedrive schedule and know all the leads that you have to contact for that day and it's on your calendar so that you, like I said, no, no lead left behind. And, and so if you have sales teams and then you're, you have, you know, so Joe, you're on our team and I pull up the pipe drive and 20 leads that you, that were in your, in your drive turn red because you haven't followed up with them for two weeks. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it gives it like all these different colors and stuff. So, it, I mean, it really helps. The reality is a simple sales model would be a Google spreadsheet and then it makes you touch it and feel it. But of all the different CRMs for managing a sales pipeline, I yeah, think it's this, this, this is pretty good, man. It, it is. And I love Podio too. But So what are the columns? I know we're getting technical and kind of getting into the weeds here, but I'm looking at this because you can do with Podio – you can set up views or layout where you look at cards in columns similar to PipeDrive. Yes. Yes. Where you can – it's similar to Trello. You have your cards and then you can move them over. And actually, as of yesterday from this recording, they've added – Podio has added a ton of new features in their cards. What do you call it? Layout. If anybody's curious, you can just go to podio.com and look at their – Look at their blog. They have like a blog somewhere. Maybe it's blog.podio.com and you can see the new features that they have here. And so it's, they're now little cards and you can set up what shows up in the cards and then you can move them over from column to column. But when a lead comes in, what are the different columns or stages that that lead goes through? Oh, for us? Yeah. Um, let me see here. So it starts have, out at, yeah. We have a new lead and then we have assigned to agent. And then we have drive, evaluate, and comp. Then we have follow-up, a short-term follow-up. Then we have a longer longer follow-up, like one to six months. And then we have uh, appointment set, appointment completed. Uh, we have buyer leads, offer sent, if it's listed with our team. Or as a, oh, and we have a referral too. So these yeah. are all the different columns. Yes. yes. Bought. Contract assigned, and then seller carry stuff we have, and then not interested. Yes. So those are our columns. And so it sorts the leads inside of each column based on what? Like the when something's due or? Yeah. Uh, well, we, actually, the person has to move it into the column. So. But inside the column itself, each lead inside that column is sorted by certain priority, right? Yes. Yes. So then you don't look at that and get overwhelmed. If, like if you have too many leads in one column, doesn't it get, does it kind of lose its power because you get so much leads, so many leads in there? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Well, we have like, we have them distributed pretty, pretty Quickly. evenly between our teams. And the whole nice thing is it's supposed to move from left to right. So if you have too many, like, too many leads in one particular column, there's, there's obviously a disconnect on what needs to be done. Yeah. Somebody's not taking the call. So we had, we've had a couple different scenarios where 
we had a marketing company take do all of our mail, take in all the calls, and then pop them into our 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 leads daily. And we were doing a ton of marketing, and we actually it overwhelmed us a little bit, but it worked. And so, I mean, it worked great. So, I mean, it's just, it goes back to the marketing side, but, but we really liked that they popped it in. So literally you check your lead, your deals every day and see how many popped in and then you would do your calls and then you'd put them in whatever category that they need to go to. And so, and all the team members have an app, have the app on their phone and, and then they schedule them where they're at. And then if you're good at managing people, which that's a whole nother business in itself. Uh, you should be able to keep on track, but our agents, you know, they're, they're the ones that are managing those, those leads. And so, I mean, six, eight, I mean, we, our agent the other day, she's like, I talked to this person that was a year ago and now I'm getting like a $1.2 million listing out of it because that agent, you know, so it's just consistent, you know, the yeah. follow-ups always, always the key. And so it never, the lead never ends, never leaves you. And then, and then you can, can uh, I don't think we can do uh and that's, that's, that's what the beauty of it was, right? She had scheduled, uh, scheduled that lead to be followed up. Yeah. I mean, uh, three months from, well, she was supposed to call me end of August, but she forgot, but it did pop up again in her inbox. Yeah. And so she said, you know, had I not had that pop up, she probably wouldn't have. No, I mean, and you schedule them out. So you wake up in the morning and you call your, obviously your immediate, immediate leads that pop in from our marketing that are instant. And then you have your follow-ups for that day. I mean, you could literally run your entire sales team through this, this app. Now, Podio, I mean, because you're the Podio master, I know you probably can set up these same categories within Podio and, and create the same solution. And believe me, we still have Podio. We, haven't get, we didn't get rid of it. <laughs> we just yeah. we started running this through our, with our sales team. And it seemed to be, I mean, it's just everything's in, you know, it's just like Podio. I mean, everything's in there just as long as you have a, the CRM that's that you can. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, track all your stuff. Can you create um, contracts and documents inside of PipeDrive? So the the versatility, no, and okay. that's the only the only. Uh, well, you may be able to. We just haven't looked at that or or tackled that. There are some things that definitely Podio has in regards to automation features that PipeDrive does does not. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember seeing a video of somebody on PipeDrive and it, it, when you complete a task or when you complete a follow-up task, it forces you to create a new follow-up task or something. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, which I love. I think it's great because then, it, like you said, it's never, it's never left behind. So That is amazing. If I were to ever build my own CRM, I love that feature on it because every task, every lead in there has a next action that's required. And yes. uh, when you complete one, it just automatically opens up a new one. Okay, what are you going to do next? It asks you and it forces you to. Now, you can close it. You don't have to put in a, a something, but I love that feature. Do you guys use that? Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's how our, how, how our team members know when to, uh, when to follow up. And then we also could bring in a virtual assistant to come in and follow up and set them up on appointments too, which we've done. I mean, we've had call per lead team members that come on board and and just do a bunch of calls and, and set up appointments as well. So we've probably tested anything and everything that's been invented in this world. <laughs> I think you feel like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we're definitely <laughs> flexible and nimble to change. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta try it. You gotta try, man. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. So talk about, you have this system where you actually, you, what do you call it? Text, texting 
I'm sorry. I should. I, yeah, I saw it written down in my calendar here. Um, you flip houses with text messages or something. Is that right? Flipping house with just a text message. Talk about what that is. So I'm going to uh, let Teresa break. You don't want to break down the story, what you just told me this morning, of why it's so great to quick do a quick flip tax versus the listing? Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, what I don't know. Was it? Well, I don't know. What did I say All right, this morning? so, no. <laughs> okay, we're married, so she probably doesn't listen to half the stuff I say. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a counseling session? I, I forgot. Anyway, that's, oh, that's the next call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway. We're, we're no, kidding. No, so, so she goes, she goes, Eric. The, the, the quick flip text method is, works so well because I just got a referral check for $1,200 on a listing that we started six months ago that I probably spent 50 or 60 hours of my time going through it and helping and doing my thing, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. our team brought in a really, really, really distressed, nasty house in Mesa. Um, and so she's, Teresa, her job is to hit the button. <laughs> so she set, you know, she gets the information, sets it up in, in, in the tech system and blasted it out and we sold it. And it was, I, I mean, cause we're, our buyers know us so well, they know when we send them a deal that it's a deal. And so we sold that in uh, in two minutes. It was like, I'll take it because wow. they knew wow. it. And so she's like, she's like, okay, $1,200 or $20,000. Cause that, that was what our assignment fee was on that one you know, I, I don't understand, <laughs> you know? And so that's why the, the quick flip text method is just, it's something that has, um, I don't know, you, you, the, the technology behind what we're providing on that. And so we put together a course on the quick flip text method and what we do and how we do it. And, and it's just, uh, it's a, it's a great little system for sure. Yeah. You know, Joe, I went to, uh, I went to click funnels in Dallas and, yeah. uh, I don't know if you were there and one of the guys, you know what? I, that's where I met you. That is, that's right. I was in the, uh, they, huh. what do they call that? Um, hackathon or something. Hackathon. <laughs> I was stalking you, Joe. I don't know if you do that. I was sitting beside you you were working on your computer and I was like, Hey Joe. <laughs> I remember um, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, um, so I, one of the guys said, Hey, you should go talk to that guy. Right. And I'm like, Oh, who's that? He goes, Oh, he's a Phoenix investor. So I, so I went over there to go introduce myself. I'm like, Hey, my name is Teresa Sage. I'm in Phoenix and, uh, we invest in real estate and I heard you did too. And he goes, Teresa Sage. He goes, are you, are you Eric Sage's wife? I said, yeah, how's it going? And he goes, Oh, Oh my gosh, I just bought two houses from you last week. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Chris. I'm like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And I looked and I was laughing because I was looking through my text messages. And sure enough, we had gone back and forth on text message and we had sold two properties to him in Phoenix. And I never even met him or saw him. And here we are in some other uh, state on an internet and marketing conference. Awesome. Meeting each other. So it was kind of fun. That was a. Um... That was a really good event. It was a long time ago. Yes. So, okay. Now, what kind of tools do you use to do the texting? Is it um, your cell phone? You just send these text messages out? What are some of the tricks with that? So we we use CallFire. Okay. I don't know. Have you heard of CallFire? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we use CallFire for all of our texting, and um, that seems to work pretty well. Mm -hmm. It works. People respond. So... We sell a lot of houses that way. So, yeah. 
Yeah, we have our we have our buy, and and that's the other thing. One of the things we have going is we we constantly are build we build our buyers list on a daily. I mean, we probably get four or five new buyers in our in our system every every single day through some of the systems that we have. And then um, so when we when we send out a property, it's you know email works. Don't get me wrong, but when we're when when we sent when we sent out a text, it's instant. You know, the open sure. rates huge. Huge. Yeah, I found Joe lately. Like the open rates on the emails are definitely a lot less than they used to be. Yeah, that is totally true. Totally true. So, are you using texting to find deals as well? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, well, because the open rate, right? So our our team members are trained if we're going through doing Craigslist or Zillow or some of the other other um, lead sources that we use is is. We're, you know, you can you can get a lot done by a text message just asking people simple questions. And Joe, you I mean, you you have several courses on it, I think. But no, it, it, it's it's great how people will respond to you. I mean, um, on, on the texting. So but we don't have a I don't we're not using a specific platform to gather motivated seller leads in the text text world. We're just, that's strictly. That's yeah. one one on one. Yeah, that's a one to one. That's a one to one deal. But we do. But we will, once we build our system, once we have, uh, you know, we have thousands and thousands of leads. So we will send out a text for the last two um, sellers that are already in our system. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also do the, uh, the voice broadcast to, to send out as well. You have to be careful on that because when you do it, your phone blows up. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you might, you, we, we do that. We, we do it slowly so no one gets overwhelmed because the sure. response rates are really high. All right. So talk about, um, you guys have a podcast, right? Yes, we do. Talk about that. Sage Flipping Secrets Podcast. So we have great people that we interview, guys like Joe McCall. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we we talk a lot. We're, we're actually doing a series right now, How to Flip a House with Just a Text Message. So we have an 11-part series that we are releasing through our podcast. So people can go and listen to that. And then we do a lot of other interviews with people in the industry. So, you know, we can, our listeners can learn from them as well. Oh, you have a great picture of your family on the podcast art. I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sage flipping secrets. And, uh, you guys just started this, which is exciting. All right. You've got, unless if I'm looking at the right thing, you have three episodes here. Yeah. We launched it Monday, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Yeah. So we launched it Monday. We had, uh, We've had, and we, we, we built out several different, uh, we've had quite a few interviews, but then we have our course that we're going to, you know, do some series on. And then, uh, and then obviously we've been doing this for so long that we have, I mean, we've got tons and tons of people that we want that have been uh, a blessing in our lives that actually have helped us in our business through different coach business coaches that we have and, and, uh, mentors and, you know, all the, all, you know, so the, the thing about the pot, the podcast, world as you know joe it's like it's so cool to be able to share i mean we're we've obviously been successful and 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 we love what we do but in order to share that with as many people and give them some tips and tricks um it, i think the podcast is is a great resource to do that it really is i love it and i'm i'm so glad to see you guys doing it looks like a really good show and i love the title of your second episode marketing works so never stop Never is <laughs> the never is capitalized. Yeah, that's right. ABM. <laughs> Always be marketing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> never stop. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
Well, how can guys get a hold of you if they want to get more information about you? They want to find your podcast. Where do they go? Just go to the uh, sageflippingsecrets.com. And then also we're, uh, we have a web class that we're, we're, uh, we're working on right now that, uh, but you can, you can, you can get in and log, um, log into it at sageflippingsecrets.com. And then our email, what is our email? It's Eric at Oh, it is? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I don't even know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So you guys have been flipping for over 15 years. I'm looking at your website. You've done over 500 houses, apartments, short sales, through the ups and downs. You've, you've been around the block. It's amazing. Being only 28, but, um, we've yeah. done that much. <laughs> Just kidding. That's awesome. <laughs> and you guys have stayed married through the entire thing. Oh, uh, yeah. We've, we have. We like each other, right? We Good love each you. other. Hey, they, hey, that's a tip. Date night every week. Oh, Yes. That's really important. Even though you're going to talk about work on the date, oh, it's fine. That's okay. We, st- <laughs> we still do date night every yeah. week. Yeah. That's excellent. What do you... What do you guys do on date nights? What are some of the things that you guys like to do? Well, we like to go for sushi. Yeah. Yeah. We do, we do movies and, and sushi. Like we're pretty, pretty predictable. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> if you want to find me on a Wednesday at about 830, <laughs> go to the Harkins movie theater and you'll see me in the back corner sleeping with her in the front. <laughs> Just kidding. No. <laughs> if you want to find Sage Flipping Secrets, go to the Harkins movie theater. No, but no, but I don't know. We love, we, we, we love movies. So that's our, that's our thing. And, uh, cool. You know, we're not, you know, we're, we're just, we're not huge partiers anymore. I mean, we love to just hang out together and just do our thing, you know, and love to travel with our kids on the, the days that they can do that. And, and that's, that's our, that's our gig. Yeah. Nice. And what are, what are some movies that you've liked recently that are good? Oh my gosh. We saw wind river. What is it last night or the night before? Holy cow. That was pretty intense. I don't know. So, so Teresa is Canadian. So she grew up in way North, Northern Manitoba. Yes. Oh, wow. And I, I am from Arizona in Southern Arizona in a place called Yuma. Right. So you couldn't be too, you couldn't be further from how, I don't know how we met each other, but we did. But, uh, but that, that story about that movie was really, it, it, uh, it brought a lot home. Cause that, some of that stuff that, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie, but no, or heard about it, but it's, uh, it brought, there's some reality there. It looks like a uh, Fargo type of movie. Yes, it was. It was actually pretty sad. It was about a, a girl gal who gets murdered. So ugh, I don't know. It wasn't fun. But our favorite, well, my favorite movies are all the superhero movies. You really? know, like Wonder Woman, The Avengers. I can't wait for the like the kids' movies to come out because then we take our kids. Spider Man was good this summer. We should have stock in the movie business because <laughs> we go and then we take our kids there too. Well, you have to pre-screen them to make sure they're okay for the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You know, one of my favorite websites that we've been looking a lot at is uh, PluggedIn.com. Have you heard of that website? No. If you're looking for good reviews for movies that um, would be good for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pluggedin.com. It's from Focus on the Family. And what they do is they actually review uh, the movies and tell you what um, they'll give it a plugged in rating and they'll tell you whether it's uh, good or bad for kids. And, you know, it's, it is faith based. So if you're not into faith, then you might not like plugged in. 
<laughs> but uh, I, it's something that I found if we're looking for a movie to rent, man, it's just so much junk out there. And I don't want to rent any kind of uh, movie that I'm going to have to turn off in the middle of because it's just not appropriate for my kids. Exactly. No, I love it. And I love the fact that it's faith based because I have looked at some other sites for that. And I don't I feel like they're a little biased. and I don't know if they're quite accurate. So I love that. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. That's- so Wind River gets a one out of five plugged in rating. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that's not. That's not a good it it no. says uh, <laughs> heavy content caution for kids, teens and adults. Oh. Yeah, I was. I think I had a few tears a couple times. Good grief. Ugh. Yeah. Don't go see it. <laughs> <laughs> Our neighbor said it was the best movie he ever saw. So I, don't, I don't know why he said that. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, it's as interesting. Um, there's a movie called All Saints that is out in theaters right now. Have you heard of that? No. Wow. It's a movie about a pastor who has a simple job. Clean out the church he's been assigned to and then mm-hmm. sell it. And it's in the theaters right now. It's rated PG. And the uh, this has really good. They give it a four and a half out of five stars. It's very rare. They never give anybody five stars, really. But if you're looking for a good movie for kids, check out PluggedIn.com. Birth of the Dragon. I know that's a kind of a popular. What there are Hitman's Bodyguard. One star. Uh huh. Did we see that? Yeah, we saw that one. <laughs> I think she likes Ryan. Is, who's the Who's the guy? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, she he's likes Canadian. him. Oh, yes. Is? is that why you yeah. like him? Because he's Canadian. But we don't take our kids to that stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. All right, cool. I I like the uh, date night advice. That's good. It's the It's the best investment you could ever make. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very good. Love it. All right, so again, guys, the podcast is the Sage Flipping Secrets podcast. Go look at iTunes. Go look it up. It's a brand new podcast. It's really good. You keep your episodes under 15 minutes. Is that right? It's pretty well. We've had, um, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty short. Yeah, maybe, they're not maybe very long. 20, 20 max, unless we're doing interviews, and the interviews are longer. Good. And your website is sageflippingsecrets.com. Yes. And right now that uh, sends people to a, uh, a webinar, a, an online class, right? Yes, yep. yes. It sends it to our, our web class. Very nice. Well, good. You guys have been gracious, and I uh, appreciate you uh, talking to us. Thanks so much, Joe. We really, uh, really appreciate you having us on uh, your podcast. Yeah, Joe, you are, uh, you're definitely, I would, you know, I, I, I would definitely consider you one of my mentors. I, I listen to your podcast. I love what you're all about. I love, oh, I'm like, honored. As, as, a, as a person, you know, you're just a good, you're just a good dude, man. And so uh, I know I've never, I haven't spent a ton of time with you, but keep it up for sure. And uh, we want to, we'd love to model some of the things you're doing for sure. It's uh the right thing to do for sure. Well, nice. Maybe uh, we could meet in um, Boise, Idaho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to be there next month. Yeah. Or this month. This month. This yeah. month. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence. Oh, are you? Yeah. I've just been traveling a lot. And um, we actually been, our church is doing a lot of stuff down in Houston. So we, I don't know. It kind of depends on what's going on down there. Yeah. What, what would you say? What are some of the things that, people like us can do, uh, to help out in Houston right now. I mean, with, uh, there's so much 
people, yeah. there's a ton of people helping out over there. It's unbelievable. There is. There's a lot of people helping down, helping out down there, but the, there's still a lot of um, opportunity there. You know, like we went inside of Houston itself and, and found some. The reason our church went there, we have a disaster relief organization called Service International, and they do a lot of, since 93, they've been doing flood relief and disaster relief. They've helped with dozens of, pod, I mean, uh, um, hurricanes and floods, tornadoes and stuff like that, and all over the world. So they don't just rush in and, and help out. I mean, they, they take their time because they stay for a long time. We were in Katrina for oh, well over two years. We were in Oklahoma when they had some huge hurricanes. Uh, we were there for about a year and a half in the last couple of years. So they spend a lot of time when they go somewhere, and they work with local relief organizations and churches. So we were there kind of bringing down some supplies and trying to find a good base of operations. Um, they'll coordinate volunteers from all over the country that come. And so one of the things that was interesting to me, though, is there's a lot of stuff in Houston, and Houston's a big city, almost 7 million people, and about 500,000 were affected, which is only 7% of the population in Houston was affected. But if you go further east, about an hour, hour and a half east of Houston, along the coast there, you'll find these small towns where maybe 50, 75% of the population has been flooded and still underwater. So it wasn't just Houston. There's a lot of areas around there. And so, but what I've... It seemed we went to a lot of different places where a lot of donations were coming down, right? People were just stopping by in the community and from outside of Texas, just dropping off supplies. And it was getting overwhelming. And this is normal for uh, whenever there's a disaster somewhere. I mean, it, it's normal for a ton of people to come and donate supplies like clothes and water and food or cleaning supplies and stuff like that. What we saw, though, it's the biggest need right now are cleaning supplies and also money. A lot of these churches that are, and, and things, places that are collecting stuff are having a hard time finding a place to store it and having a hard time getting the coordinators and volunteers to distribute it. But what, what's really needed is money. And I, don't, I, you know, I can't tell you any organizations to, uh, that, are, that I, I would trust except maybe the Red Cross and maybe Service International um, that, that our church is a part of. But I think the biggest thing, if anybody listening to this, if you want to help, and even you know what's going on pretty soon here in Florida, um, I, would, I would consider and think about, pray about donating money because there's, there's just a big need. And, and, you know, money is needed in a lot of different ways, but sometimes the money is best used for, like, buying the supplies that they really need. Because you may find that we, you know, like the, for example, people they're they're turning away people that donate clothes, and uh, they're turning away things now like toiletries. Sometimes like they have so many toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes. It's insane. Like <laughs> there's probably enough toothbrushes down there to give to to, to everybody who lives in Houston. Lots and lots of toothbrushes. Well, uh, instead of buying the toothbrush, send some money. Let the organizations that are down there buy the supplies that are needed to then distribute out. And I think that will go a really long way. The other thing I was going to say is real quick, these disaster relief organizations that go down there, they have staff and they need money to pay the staff. And that staff is needed to coordinate all of the volunteers that are there and to 
to recruit, you know, if they can recruit captains to lead groups of volunteers, then, you know, those captains sometimes need to be paid to keep the good captains. As a lot of times people just go down there for a vacation, use their vacation time to go down there and volunteer. And the more captains that they can have, the more volunteers they can help put to good use and get to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you can't go down and volunteer your time, I would suggest volunteering your money and donate to good organizations that you know are down there that are spending the money wisely on the actual relief, you know? And yeah. I, you know, if I, I've heard real good things about what the Red Cross is doing and, um, but there's also a lot of other organizations. I know there's an organization called um, Operation Blessing that's doing a lot of work down there. There's also our, our, our ministry, Service International, and a lot of the Good, uh, good Samaritans. Is it Good Samaritans Purse? Or, have you heard of them? Samaritan Purse. It's the organization that Franklin Graham started, Samaritans Purse. Samaritanpurse.org is another really good organization to donate money to yeah i mean i i heard of a lot of people just throwing just getting u-hauls and driving down there with just supplies you know but i don't know if that's always i mean there's obviously they'll use the supplies if, if yeah. they can't but and but where do you take it and yeah there's 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 a systematic way of doing it right yeah yeah the, the one thing that you don't want to donate guys if you're listening <laughs> don't donate your used stuff it's sad to hear all the stories from these guys who are collecting things. The like they'll get a, a half used bottle of shampoo or um, so, somebody sent the, what was it? A half used stick of deodorant, I think is what it was. Like the deodorant was already open and you could tell it had been used. I don't know if that just maybe got in there by accident. <laughs> hey, they needed to use it on their way down there, I guess. Maybe, I don't but uh, yeah, don't send used clothes. Don't send used blankets. <laughs> used uh stuff <laughs> right anyway so that was a, a long answer to a short question but no, i love it there's no, a I huge need down there there's a huge need down there if you can't volunteer your time i'd suggest sending some money yeah that's good joe man it's nice to know people are out there helping out that's for sure yeah, yeah. well Teresa and eric good talking to you guys thanks a lot thanks joe thanks joe appreciate it thanks for uh your time for sure all right Take care, guys. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes and to check out our other podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review in iTunes as well if you like the show. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. 